Maddened by Mystery or The Defective Detective by Stephen Leacock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Detective sat in his office. He wore a long green gown and half a dozen secret badges pinned to the outside of it. Three or four pairs of false whiskers hung on a whisker stand beside him. Goggles, blue spectacles, and motor glasses lay within easy reach. He could completely disguise himself at a second's notice. Half a bucket of cocaine and a dipper stood on a chair at his elbow. His face was absolutely impenetrable. A pile of cryptograms lay on the desk. The great detective hastily tore them open one after the other, solved them, and threw them down the cryptogram chute at his side. There was a rap at the door. The great detective hurriedly wrapped himself in a pink domino, adjusted a pair of false whiskers, and cried, Come in! His secretary entered. Ha! said the detective. It is here. He laid aside his disguise. So! said the young man in intense excitement. A mystery has been committed. Ha! said the great detective, his eye kindling. Is it such as to completely baffle the police of the entire continent? They are so completely baffled with it, said the secretary, that they are lying collapsed in heaps. Many of them have committed suicide. So, said the detective, and is the mystery one that is absolutely unparalleled in the whole recorded annals of the London police? It is. And I suppose, said the detective, that it involves names which you would scarcely dare to breed, at least without first using some kind of atomizer or throat gurgle. Exactly. And it is connected, I presume, with the highest diplomatic consequences, so that if we fail to solve it, England will be at war with the whole world in sixteen minutes. His secretary, still quivering with excitement, again answered, Yes. And finally, said the great detective, I presume that it is committed in broad delight, in some such place as the entrance of the Bank of England, or in the cloakroom of the House of Commons, and under the very eyes of the police. Those said the secretary, out of very conditions of the mystery. Good, said the great detective. Now wrap yourself in this disguise, put on these brown whiskers, and tell me what it is. The secretary wrapped himself in a blue domino with lace insertions. Then, bending over, he whispered in the ear of the great detective, The Prince of Wattenberg has been kidnapped. The great detective bounded from his chair as if he had been kicked from below. A prince told him, evidently a bourbon, the son of one of the oldest families in Europe kidnapped. Here was a mystery indeed worthy of his analytical brain. His mind began to move like lightning. Stop, he said. How do you know this? The secretary handed him a telegram. It was from the Prefect of Police of Paris. It read, The Prince of Wartenbach stolen, probably forwarded to London, must have him here for the opening day of the exhibition. 
thousand pound reward so the prince had been kidnapped out of paris at the very time when his appearance at the international exposition had been a political event of the first magnitude with it a great detective to think was to act and to act was to think frequently he could do both together why are to paris for a description of the prince the secretary bowed and left at the same moment there was a slight scratching at the door a visitor entered he crawled stealthily on his hands and knees a huge rug thrown over his head and shoulders disguised his identity he crawled to the middle of the room then he rose great heaven it was the prime minister of england you said the detective me said the prime minister you have come in regard to the kidnapping of the prince of waterby the prime minister started how do you know he said the great detective smiled his inscrutable smile yes said the prime minister i'll use no consulment i'm interested deeply interested find the prince of waterby get him safe back to paris and i will add 500 pound to the reward already offered but listen he said impressively as he left the room see to it that no attempt is made to alter the marking of the prince or to clip his tail so to clip the prince's tail the brain of the great detective reeled so a gang of miscreants had conspired too but no the thing is not possible there was another rap at the door a second visitor was seen he warmed his way in lying almost prone upon his stomach and wriggling across the floor he was enveloped in a long purple cloak he stood up and peeped over the top of it great heaven it was the archbishop of canterbury your grace exclaimed the detective in amazement pray do not stand i beg you sit down lie down anything rather than stand the archbishop took off his meter and laid it wearily on the whisker stand you are here in regard to the prince of wartenberg the archbishop started and crossed himself was the man a magician yes he said much depends on getting him back but i have only come to say this my sister is desirous of seeing you she is coming here she has been extremely indiscreet and her fortune hangs upon the prince give him back to paris or i fear she will be ruined the archbishop regained his meter uncrossed himself wrapped his cloak about him and crawled stealthily out on his hands and knees powering like a cat the face of the great detective showed the most profound sympathy it ran up and down in furrows so he muttered the sister of the archbishop the countess of dashley accustomed as he was to the life of the aristocracy even the great detective felt that there was here intrigue of more than customary complexity there was a loud rapping at the door there entered the countess of dashley she was all in furs she was the most beautiful woman in england she strode imperiously into the room 
she seized a chair imperiously and seated herself on it, imperial side up. She took off her tiara of diamonds and put it on the tiara holder beside her and uncoiled her bow of pearls and put it on the pearl stand. You have come, said the great detective, about the Prince of Wartenberg. Wretched little pup, said the Countess of Dashley in disgust. So, a further complication. Far from being in love with the prince, the countess denounced the bourbon as a pup. You are interested in him, I believe. Interested, said the countess. I should rather say so. Why, I bred him. You which? gasped the great detective. His usually impassive features suffused with a carmine blush. I bred him said the countess, and I have got ten thousand pounds upon his chances, so no wonder I want him back in Paris. Only listen, she said, if they have got hold of the prince and cut his tail or spoiled the markings of his stomach, it would be far better to have him quietly put out of the way here. The great detective reeled and leaned up against the side of the room. So, the cold-blooded admission of a beautiful woman for the moment took away his breath. Herself, the mother of the young Bourbon, misallied with one of the greatest families of Europe, staking her fortune on a royalist plot, and yet with so instinctive a knowledge of European politics as to know that any removal of the hereditary birthmarks of the prince would forfeit for him the sympathy of the French populace. The countess resumed her tiara. She left. The secretary re-entered. I have three telegrams from Paris. He said, they are completely baffling. He handed over the first telegram. It read, the Prince of Wartenberg has a long weight snout, broad ears, very long body, and short hind legs. The great detective looked puzzled. He read the second telegram. The Prince of Wartenberg is easily recognized by his deep bark. And then the third. The Prince of Wartenberg can be recognized by a patch of white hair across the center of his back. The two men looked at one another. The mystery was maddening, impenetrable. The great detective spoke. Give me my domino, he said. These clues must be followed up. The pausing, while his quick brain analyzed and summed up the evidence before him. A young man, he muttered evidently young since described as a pup with a long weight snout ha addicted obviously to drinking a streak of white hair across his back a first sign of the results of his abundant life yes yeah he continued with this clue i shall find him easily the great detective rose he wrapped himself in a long black cloak with white whiskers and blue spectacles attached. Completely disfigured, he issued forth. He began the search. For four days, he visited every corner of London. He entered every saloon in the city. In each of them, he drank a glass of rum. In some of them, he assumed the disguise of a sailor. In others, he entered as a soldier. Into others, he penetrated as a clergyman. His disguise was perfect. 
nobody paid any attention to him as long as he had a price of a drink. The search proved fruitless. Two young men were arrested under suspicion of being the prince, only to be released. The identification was incomplete in each case. One had a long white nose, but no hair on his back. The other had hair on his back, but couldn't bark. Neither of them was the Wang Bowen. The great detective continued his search. He stopped at nothing. Secretly, after nightfall, he visited the home of the Prime Minister. He examined it from top to bottom. He measured all the doors and windows. He took up the flooring. He inspected the plumbing. He examined the furniture. He found nothing. With equal secrecy, he penetrated into the palace of Archbishop. He examined it from top to bottom. Disguised as a choir boy, he took part in the offices of the church. He found nothing. Still undismayed, the great detective made his way into the home of the Countess of Dashley. Disguised as a housemaid, he entered the service of the Countess. Then at last a clue came which gave him a solution to the mystery. On the wall of the Countess's body was a large framed engraving. It was a portrait. Under it was a printed lizard, the Prince of Wartenburg. The portrait was that of a Dutch hunt. The long body, the broad ears, the unclipped tail, the short hind legs, all was there. In a fraction of a second, the lightning mind of the great detective had penetrated the whole mystery. The prince was a dog. Hastily throwing a domino over his housemaid's dress, he rushed to the street. He summoned a passing hansom, and in a few moments was at his house. I have it, he gasped to his secretary. The mystery is solved. I have pieced it together. By sheer analysis, I have reasoned it out. Listen, hind legs, hair on back, wet snout, pup, ha, what? Does that suggest nothing to you? Nothing, said the secretary. It seems perfectly hopeless. The great detective, now recovered from his excitement, smiled faintly. It means simply this, my dear fellow. The Prince of Wartenberg is a dog, a pride dachshund. The Countess of Dashley bred him, and he is worth some twenty-five thousand pounds, in addition to the prize of ten thousand pounds, offered at the Paris dog show. Can you wonder that? At that moment, the great detective was interrupted by the scream of a woman. Great heaven! The Countess of Dashley rushed into the room. Her face was wild, her terror was in disorder, her pearls were dripping all over the place. She wrung her hands and moaned. They have cut his tail, she gasped, and taken all the hair off his back. What can I do? I am undone. Ma'am, said the great detective, calm as bronze, do yourself up. I can save you yet. You! me. How? Listen, this is how. The prince was to have been shown at Paris. The countess nodded. Your fortune was stacked on him. The countess nodded again. The dog was stolen, carried to London, his tail cut and his marks disfigured. Amazed at the quiet penetration of the great detective, 
the countess kept on nodding and nodding. And you are ruined. I am. She gasped and sank to the floor in a heap of pearls. Ma'am, said the great detective, all is not lost. He straightened himself up to his full height. A look of inflinchable unflexibility flickered over his features. The honour of England, the fortune of the most beautiful woman in England, was at stake. I'll do it, he murmured. Rise, dear lady, he continued. Fear nothing. I will impersonate the dog. That night, the great detective might have been seen on the deck of the Calais packet boat with his secretary. He was on his hands and knees in a long black cloak, and his secretary had him on a short chain. He barked at the waves exultingly and licked the secretary's hand. What a beautiful dog, said the passengers. The disguise was absolutely complete. The great detective had been coated over to mucilage to which dog hairs had been applied. The markings on his back were perfect. His tail, adjusted with an automatic coupler, moved up and down, responsive to every thought. His deep eyes were full of intelligence. Next day he was exhibited at a Dutch and class at an international show. He won all hearts. Qual chien, cried the French people. Ach was yam dog, cried the Spanish. The great detective took the first prize. The fortune of the countess was saved. Unfortunately, as the great detective had neglected to pay the dog tax, he was caught and destroyed by the dog catchers. But that is, of course, quite outside of the present narrative, and is only mentioned as an odd fact of conclusion. End of Maddened by Mystery by Stephen Leacock Read by Ohm123